The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. The Hard Shoulders Bookshelf. Yes, we are adding another book to the bookshelf uh, this week. Caroline Morhan was with me uh, last week. Uh, Veronica Decides to Die by Paolo Coelho was the book she added uh, to the shelf. She also uh, told us she was reading Guinevere Turner's When the World Didn't End. And I started reading it myself on her recommendation. It is an amazing story about uh, Guinevere Turner growing up in a cult uh, in the United States, in the Lyman family uh, cult. So I'm about halfway through it. So that is a high bar we have set for Mark Little, who is with me today. No Another way, recommendation. Uh, uh, Mark, the journalist and entrepreneur uh, who is going to be adding a book uh, this week. What book, Mark? So the book is uh, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail 1972. It's written by Hunter S. Thompson. Um, not the most important book I've ever read. I'm not necessarily sure anyone's going to like it if they mm-hmm. read it. But a book that landed like a grenade in my life when I was about 18 years old. And at that stage, Hunter S. Thompson in this book is writing about the 1972 U.S. presidential campaign. So it became, for me, my, my fascination is journalism and American politics. So he writes about this book. Nixon wins the election. But the really interesting thing is the campaign of George McGovern and the Democratic implosion and the end of the 60s and this darkness descending on America. And so when I read it, I was 18 living in London, and I was commuting between three jobs, a McDonald's, a Heathrow car, car Park, and a left-wing magazine. And I was a student radical at the time, and I was really interested in journalism. Mm. But journalism seemed so one-dimensional to me, like very clubby, didn't get to the heart of everything. And I read Hunter S. Thompson, who is a foul-mouthed, drug-taking rebel. He, he sparks what's called gonzo journalism. Mm. And he's angry all the time. But he's also the least cynical of the campaign reporters. And he writes this book, which becomes a classic for all journalists, because this is the guy who essentially gets on the campaign bus and does everything that traditional journalism doesn't do. He takes a stand. He's angry. Like at one point he calls uh, Richard Nixon a hyena. You know, he describes him in like really totally uninhibited ways. Yeah. And he ends up writing what one of the campaign managers for Jordan McGovern calls the least factual and most accurate book about the campaign. And it's not even the best book about that particular campaign. One of his colleagues, Timothy Krause, writes uh, The Boys in the Bus, which is a great account of being on the campaign trail in America. But he writes a book that's not afraid uh, to be have a viewpoint, that doesn't have that cynical detachment that a lot of reporters have about politics. You know, the famous Jeremy Paxman line, uh, why is this bastard lying to me? Was this always preset whenever an interview <laughs> happened? But, you know, with someone like Hunter S. Thompson, yeah. he gets past that. There's no cynicism, there's idealism, and he speaks with a great truth instead of just reciting facts. And the the description of it being the least factual but most accurate, what, what was that based on? So he gets inside the character of the person. Like okay. politicians have this myth. There's a great American politician say, you campaign in poetry, you govern in prose. And that's just not true. What really gets connections between voters and politicians is affinity with their characters. So you really have to get under the skin of what the politician is saying. If you just recite the facts of the stump speech and say what they stand for, you're not Mm -hmm. going to see anything. So when I read this book, it informed later on when I became a campaign journalist in the United States. I remember covering the campaign of Al Gore. And I think on this side of the Atlantic, he would have been the favorite. He said all the right things. He was Bill Clinton's successor but he was the least authentic politician I had ever seen. Meanwhile, I see George W. Bush, who's considered to be a dumbass, vicious kind of politician, and yet he has an emotional intelligence when he meets voters. 
And that, for the first time, Hunter S. Thompson is the, is the journalist who really expresses the nature of the character of the politician being so important and not getting too clubby. Because when you go on these campaign buses and campaign planes, mm. you know, the journalists are just down the back. Uh, and they're constantly talking to each other, they're checking what the story is for tomorrow. They're talking yeah. to the politicians. Hunter S. Thompson's detachment is what lets him be way more accurate, even though he's not concerned with the polls or the vote numbers or how many people turn up at the event. He's looking for the distinct characteristic and he sees something dark in Nixon. Yeah and something tragic in the Democrats. It's interesting that that's the book you picked this year as well, because we've got a US presidential election. And, and I mean, some of what you're talking about, it echoes conversations that would have been had in, what are we, 2012, 2000? And when did um, uh, Trump get elected first? 2016. 2016. Um, I was going too far back in time. Uh, 2016, when the accusation was made that a lot of the, the, the so-called kind of uh, mainstream political correspondents and journalists covering it, I mean, maybe got sucked into that kind of, that clubbishness. And yeah. they didn't, they they missed the kind of the sense of disenfranchisement that people felt that, that meant they gravitated towards yeah, Trump. Yeah, it was put a great way by one journalist who said they didn't take, they didn't take Trump seriously. They took him literally. They were just hanging on his words. Yeah, uh, and I'm thing. just struck by the description of Richard Nixon by Hunter S. Thompson. He said he was... It represents that dark, venal, and incurably violent side of the American character. Almost every other country in the world has learned to fear and despise. Hunter S. Thompson in 2016 would have spotted yes. what was big about Trump. Yeah, a venal character, but someone, as you say, spoke, spoke authentically to people who felt disenfranchised and precarious in their life. Mm. And he would have absolutely taken uh, Trump seriously but maybe not literally by hanging on the words he was saying. Uh, the temptation here is that I want to ask you so many questions about the current campaign, but that's not what the slot is about. It's, it's about the book. Is it an accessible book to read? Um, it's an accessible book. In fact, you might know Hunter S. Thompson because he went on to write another book, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. He was a big hero of Johnny Depp who acts in that movie, so maybe other uh, audiences might know there. It is a very accessible book. It's scattergun. It's not for everybody. Looking back on it, it doesn't age well. It's a very macho, hard-drinking, hard-core uh, kind of book that may not appeal. And even I look back on it, a, a little bit of distance now between it. Mm. It doesn't survive well, but it's so raw. And this year of all years, like I could re- recommend better books about the time, like Nixonland is a beautiful book about how the, the light and happiness of the 60s ends with the darkness of Nixon. And similarly now, the sort of Obama era ending with 2016, and we're now back into this kind of darkness. So I think history in America moves in these waves. And if you want to get the visceral mainlined vision of what it felt like to be mm. at the darkness at the end of the hippie 60s, this is a great book, and it's also a great book to read as a companion to your newspaper in the morning right now. Fear and Loathing on the can- Campaign Trail by Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, what are you reading at the moment, Mark? So reading a book, again, this is shifting over to technology by a woman called Fei Fei Li. You're nothing if not predictable, I'll give you that. Totally predictable. Um, I, yeah, this is not going to set book talk alike. I, I, I read kind of his, um, historical fiction about kind of um, the, the Elizabethan era. era what or something. I, the, what's common to the two books is in this book is what for what Hunter Thompson did for me with politics, this is done for me with technology because technology is the Neuralink. It's implanting chips in people's brains. Mm. It's Elon Musk getting to Mars. It's these macho tech bros who move fast and break things but never had anything to lose. Fei Fei Li, 
who is essentially one of the most important characters in the development of AI. She came up with a thing called ImageNet, a catalogue of images to help computers learn. So she had the big breakthrough that helped us get to where we are today. Yeah. But she's the daughter of Chinese immigrants. She doesn't speak English when she comes to the US, to New Jersey. She's learning from a dictionary, and yet at the same time, she's obsessed uh, with science. And right through her life, her mother is continually sick. She's bullied or his friend, her friends have bullied the school. She's somebody who's an outsider. And she has this now uh, humane-led AI institute that she leads. And she's one of those people that if you want to know what's at the heart of the science and how it might benefit humanity, not listening to the Neuralink, going to Mars, mm. having some sort of afterlife. This is someone who's connected from the outside, from the disadvantaged groups, I think, who speaks to a truth about AI that all the tech bros in the world and I've experienced this. You, you, you don't think it. of her as kind of the Dutch boy with his finger in the dam? No, because what she's doing is telling us essentially that what AI is, it's trained on human emotion. Like there's another great book that I would recommend to anybody understanding the humanity of AI. It's called uh, God, Animal, Human, Machine by Megan O'Geeblin. It's about the spiritual awakening she predicts after AI because it will make us feel more human. The only characteristic that will survive this superhuman technology is the emotional intelligence and the conversation you might have with somebody else. And someone like Fei Fei Li is deeply Im embedded in that. Like our mother is sick for all her life and her big obsession is ambient intelligence that might help prevent the death of people in hospitals. So that's her connection to AI. It's how can we make humanity better, not how can we replace it. And, and the idea, what, that uh, there would be a premium on that human connection because it's the one thing that the AI can't replicate. The only thing the AI can't replicate is the emotional intelligence of empathy for yeah. another person. Knowing that you want to focus on helping kids learn better or helping take care of older people who may not have that care. So where do you focus the resources and the investment? It's on those And And does causes. the premium get placed on that because that's the only thing we have left or because we are so keen to differentiate ourselves? Well, back to the book theme, right? A lot of the people, and I know this having grown up with science fiction, a lot of the people like Elon Musk grew up with these fantasies of leaving Earth. Humanity would be over. We'd have to replace ourselves with great intelligence. That's the theme of the Asimov books, for example, yeah. where she's growing up in this gritty reality of immigrant New Jersey with her mother on death's door for years. That's her reality, saving humanity, making this planet better for everybody and, and having marginalized groups helped into the mainstream. So the contrast with Elon Musk and Fei Fei Li for me is the story of our times. And if that's an essentially human story Fei Fei Li tells in The Worlds I Have Seen, and there's another story you've covered tonight in the, in the program, and that's Elon Musk. And if I had a choice between the two visions of the future with the superhuman technology, mm. human first, baby. Human yeah, first. but maybe the lesson in uh, your first book is that not everybody would uh, uh, go human first. They might be... Uh, fall foul to the angels, uh, to the demons of their... But if we look uh, for the accuracy uh, and the nature. truth beyond the facts and the headlines, that's the first book, and I think as well the second book, that's the theme between the two of them. Fear and Loathing on the campaign trail by Hunter S. Thompson. The Worlds I See by Fei Fei Li is what Mark Little is reading at the moment. Mark, thanks a million for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, on the show... The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.